December is finally here. The winter meetings are just around the corner where probably nothing will happen because the winter meetings are all out of hype and nothing ever ends up happening like we think it's going to happen there. But before we get there, we're going to empty the inbox and take all your questions and we're going to try to sound like we know what we're talking about in the process. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. So I have a new secret weapon to try uh, to, to cut back on the coughing, and uh, I intentionally did not show Justin just so we can have a fun moment here on air. Of, of, Always fun. You know. Eggnog. Oh, yeah. Eggnog. Sure. Just, just, just pour it. I've pour heard right dairy often eliminates coffee. My, I've heard yep. That's yep. Dairy, dairy helps with mucus, right? Just going to pour yeah. it on in there for you. <laughs> I'm going to coat, double coat my throat. But yeah, uh, for those go. who don't know, this is one of those things Justin and I strongly disagree about. It's, it's, it's eggnog. It's Will Smith. Um, yeah. Not much, but yeah, definitely eggnog. And those are two of our, two of our big, uh, uh, using the word showcase, you know, the, the things we like to tease yes, about the word showcase. You just like that, do that to, to make me mad. Yeah. Uh, you're not yeah. mad that you are here with us today. Thanks for making lockdown gardens. Your first listen today, every day, wherever you get podcasts, we're going to do it again. We're 73 subscribers away from 2000 on YouTube. We were at 76 on Thursday when we were recording. So getting a few up three more. Yeah, we picked up a few, three more. We need still need seventy. We still need one person to create 72, 73 <laughs> accounts on YouTube and just subscribe everywhere so we can uh, stop talking about it. That's what everybody wants, right? Um, yeah, I, maybe, like I said, maybe that's the thing. I'm like, okay, everyone on your school account. Yes, everybody do it. I'll, uh, if we don't get there, we want to get there before the end of 2023. Uh, winter break, Jeff, when you're done teaching for the winter, just we're just both going to create a bunch of YouTube accounts. I don't know. I don't have the time to do all that. Uh, we've like we don't have a lot of time to answer all the questions, so we got a lot of questions for today's mailbag episode. So thank you. If we don't get to it today, we will get to them another day. We'll save them. We have them, we have them in our system, so uh, we will definitely answer them at some point. We just tried to pick. We had a lot of people ask multiple questions, so we tried to pick one from everybody, the one we thought was the best. So we'll do that, and we'll start with one that this is not really a rumor. Let's be honest here. Uh, I was looking to see the source of this rumor out there. And it came from like some accounts and some sites that it's really hard to. to I don't think it's happening. Let's just yeah, it any validity. But it's a fun yeah. question to answer is because, um, you know, the Rays often are like Cleveland, where they will trade guys that are in the middle of arbitration and they their prices go up. And, and in a lot of ways, Tampa Bay is more aggressive than Cleveland when, when they get into arbitration with players. They move on much faster just to. So, I think you know, track that's that all that value. But the first, 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 the first answer to this question for Ethan is okay. So, what does a realistic at Rosarina package look like? The first answer is you really want Cleveland to trade with Tampa Bay again? Really? That's that, well, that's what you want. I, and I also want to throw out here, like I think it was Jeff Passan actually had an article about like potential trades, and, and I think it's not a Rosarina. I think it's Isaac Paredes who is the guy who yeah. they might consider shopping 
because of their third base depth. He is a guy who does not K a lot, who fits Cleveland's and profile. Curtis Mead, yeah. And, you know, it's like that might be – and he's a right-handed bat as well, which I know so is a Rosarina. I, here's this weird situation where because of the minor league regression, I don't know if they have anything that's going to net you a Rosarina. Like, are you willing to give up Logan Allen? Are you willing to talk Gavin Williams? You're going to have to talk one of the big three. Yeah, that's definitely going to require a pitcher. I don't know that Joey Cantillo is not, enough not of an arm on his own to make a, a Randy Rosarina package. I don't think he'll get traded over the offseason, but we'll see. I mean, like I said, Tampa Bay has done interesting things. The Rosarina is projected to make, um, I think, somewhere, yeah, $9 million, So yeah, It's not like, even that much, relatively. It's not, like, you know. not for what he does, no. no. And he's, he's still got – uh, three years of control, so 24, 25, and 26. So but you'd be like really buying season, him, maybe you'd be really buying him at his peak. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit early on him. So, I mean, Tampa Bay will consider trading anybody, but like, yeah, you're talking Cantillo. Now, well, Cantillo had to be a third line piece. You're right, it would be yeah. Allen or Allen or I'm not sure Allen gets done. I think it's Williams or Bybee because you know, there's still some doubting with some of Allen's metrics. I think you probably have to consider Williams or Bybee. Tampa Bay does like undersized pitchers, though, so it wouldn't shock me. But you're talking, okay, so you're at least talking one of those three. Three years of control of their, like, middle of the order uh, bat. Yeah, and then you're it's talking gonna about. It's going to talk. It's going to start with Williams or Bybee. Yeah, then you have Rocchio. I think, obviously, you know, Tampa Bay's got the whole issue with Wander Franco and, and yeah, whatever they, that they is. they have a bunch of infielders, though. I mean, like. They do, I but think... I don't know if any of them are ready. Like, Junior Junior is probably not a shortstop. Taylor Walls and, is a better defender than maybe anyone Cleveland has at shortstop. Uh, is he better than Arias? He might be. But that, that's not that's not the point, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, they have Carson Williams, so they moved to the AAA. He yeah. played in the AFL. So, you know, maybe they take a chance. Arias does seem to be a guy that fits their profile because he does, like, exit velocity. They do, like, exit velocities. And they could probably work hard. with him, you know. Yeah, so, like, you know, yeah, you're talking Arias, which is fine. And yeah. you're talking one of the big pitchers, though. And then you're probably having to add, like, I don't know. Are you going to have to add like a a, a chase the lauder to that deal? I, I, no, I bet. I bet like the third piece is, you know, somebody like a junior Camonero type. Now it doesn't always work out, you know, Jason Churio. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because he's more of a big name, but like, you know, the Ruben Cartagena, the, uh, I'm trying to remember who they traded. Um, who was that uh, draft pick? Who was like a athletic up the middle kid who they traded for. Um, the Taiwanese pitcher who never went anywhere. I can't remember that guy's name, but it, it's going to be some high ceiling, lower minors guy. Um, that's the thing. For as much as we get mad about Junior Cabanera, they've traded him like five of those guys, and one out of the five has worked, and it's it's going because he's worked super well. But the other Robin, four, Robin the no, but he's <laughs> Actually, too high ceiling. Like that, yeah, that's the thing. Like all of those guys was... were not top fifteen prospects. They weren't even top twenty guys. It was just a high ceiling yeah. guy who was outside the top twenty. Yeah. So probably unrealistic, but you know, we'll, yeah. we'll try. Uh, our buddy Bryce from Lockdown got Rangers in. This is not really a question. Just want to throw this in there. He said he wanted the, to teach the Rangers the secrets of how to develop a singular starting okay pitcher uh, from Cleveland. I said, uh, we could tell you, but we'd have to kill you. <laughs> what do you mean? Jack Leiter's looking so good. And yeah, Kumar uh, Rocker was a good investment. I'm so sorry. Cole win. Um, you know what? I don't feel sorry for Bryce. They won a world series. I don't feel sorry for Bryce. <laughs> they, yeah, you know it's what? funny. They won it You're with fine. terrible development, terrible development. Yeah. They traded well. They, no, they, they, they develop players to trade and they use their farm system for one of the reasons you do it is you, 
Use it for trades. They did that. Uh, Robert N., do you think that Stephen Vogt will be more willing to make late game changes like pinch hitters and platoons? Um, he Tito said that was he a thinks that big platoon well, guy when he first got here. Like, yeah, we had a lot of platoons, and he just started to move away from it. But for a while, I mean, like, we had specific, you know, Geyer, Luplo. There were specific left handed caddies for a long time, and then it just kind of faded. Yeah. So I think some of that depends on the makeup of your roster, who you have. Like the late game pinch hitting thing is is one thing you control, but it also depends on who's who's available on your bench. And obviously one of the safety blankets that, that Tito always fell back on was that that catching spot. Like he would never pinch it for the catcher because he never wanted to have a bad pitcher in the game with no catcher on the bench. And that's why having David Fry here is important because you can pinch it for now. Cleveland doesn't need to pinch it for a catcher anymore, obviously, because <laughs> you have Bo Naylor. At the very worst, uh, I wouldn't pinch it for him at all. But at the very worst, you can just put David Fry in against a lefty. But um, my bigger complaint was, was like, always the number of guys who would get asked to play a position when they got to the big leagues, like putting Rokio at third after he never played it in the minors or barely played. It's like how many times when they did make these moves, they would then put guys in positions. It's like either they need to work at the, know your manager is going to require extra flexibility and start working at that in the minors. Well, you know, well curious Cleveland has always been very focused on um, trying to make sure guys are versatile in the minor. That's why you see like certain guys and you're like, ah, oh, this guy can't play short, but you make him play short because, um, because he, you know, they, they want guys to, to prove they can't play a certain position or not. So yeah. um, they, they're always in pro- approaching or preaching flexibility. So, yeah, I think it really depends on who's on the roster. I think it really depends what to, who do you have to work with. Like a Will Brennan, Ramon Laureano, as of right now anyway, platoon sounds like something that should be considered the way things are, are set up right now. Um, you shouldn't play Arias against lefties, but, you know, at some point you got to figure out if he's ever going to develop that skill, because if you want to play him, because Josh Naylor took a couple of years and now it, maybe it seems like he's figured it out. Um, so who knows? It really depends on who is on your roster and what you can do with that. But that's one of the things I'm most fascinated to see this season, honestly, is um, what Steven Vogt's going to do, what kind of uh, philosophies he's going to embrace, how he's going to run a game, decisions he's going to make, who he's going to trust to help him make decisions, what he's going to trust to help make decisions. I'm, I'm just very excited to see how things change or how things are different with Steven Vogt and this new this new very young coaching staff and, and the mix of new and old, especially. So um, it, I'm definitely fun. I'm definitely interested in watching how this unfolds. All right. We've got a lot of questions still to get to here and not a lot of time. So we're going to roll through these as fast as we can. So uh, make sure you stick with us on Lockdown Guardians. Before we get to more questions, uh, how do you do you want to make 150 bucks? Have you ever been on FanDuel before? If not, now is a great time to get in on the action this NFL season. Uh, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay much hotter. So uh, new customers, if you're a new customer of FanDuel, you can get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So just place a money line bet if you're a new customer um, using FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you'll get 150 bucks if that bet wins. Uh, so if you think about joining FanDuel, now is the time to do it. A lot of NFL stuff going on. And hey, if you're not an NFL person, uh, college football, there's a lot going on there. You got championship games this weekend, which Ohio State won't be in. I'm not going to try not to remind myself of that too much. But the, 
you know, I would definitely not bet on Iowa scoring the over on whatever points they're given or the over for the game. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a good one, I feel like, with Iowa's offense. Uh, so if you're not in the money line bets, obviously there's spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. And before we get to more questions, too, with the winter meetings coming up, this is important. You're going to want to get over to uh, Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, top stories around the league with all, all the leagues, really, with uh, local experts from all of our shows, plus national shows covering every league. Uh, go to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube and subscribe for the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Watch them after you watch us and watch for us next week if anything happens with Cleveland at the winter meetings, which... I highly doubt, but if they do, watch watch for us with Sully maybe, and we'll try to get some some stuff in over there. Uh, a couple quick hitters we can go to question-wise. So Mike Pearl uh, wants to know about the process of post-game and pre-game interviews with the manager. Are there unwritten rules about what can and can't be asked? And I would say this. There's literally no unwritten rules. I think it's – first Don't of all, these – like yeah, we, we heard a few really dumb questions this year where it's like, you know, they're, they're not going to get super deep into anything. They don't have the time to do that. And there's so many reporters who want to get a question. So it's like, just be on point, I think is always the thing and, and make sure that it relates to the, the game of the day. Yeah. And it, well, not necessarily have to relate to the game of the day. It can be any kind of relevant question, that's I think, fair, but the, fair, but yeah, relevant. Real, that's the word I was looking for. The real thing is you have to develop a relationship with these, whoever you're interviewing, and it really depends on who you're interviewing, too. I mean, interviewing Stephen Vogt will be a lot different than interviewing Terry Francona. Um, but the thing I would just say is, like, when you're if you're watching on whatever TV network is covering the Guardians next year or whatever, in the past, you know, Bally's, um, those three- or five-minute clips you see after the game or before the game, that's not all that's being asked. And like the, someone was asking specifically about our buddy, Andre, like the questions he asks, Andre has to get a specific, you know, type of soundbite or a uh, specific, specific um, times, like different questions. He's got to ask of sound bites for their show. So he's asking questions for, with a purpose because it's going to go into what they're asking on the show. There are certain questions he has to ask to fill time on the show and, and to set up what they're talking about on the pre and post game show. So those aren't the only questions being asked. It's just what you see on TV. There's a bunch more being asked. There's different ones. Um, so don't, you know, you, you know, Andre said that Zach has said that don't take that as gospel on there. It's just, it's part of the show. And, and um, there's really nothing, you know, unwritten rules. It's just about like, like Jeff said, don't be stupid and, um, you know, make sure you have a reason why you're asking something and be prepared, you know, be prepared to defend your question too. If someone calls it, Calls that calls you out. I'll be prepared to defend your question. So uh, think about it. Nathan, do you guys think that Cleveland will sign any former Cleveland players? Cleveland does like to bring back um, old friends, guys like Brantley, Clevenger, Santana. I can tell you right now, no one on Clevenger. That's yeah. you know that's not going to happen. He was pushed uh, out pretty quickly because they got tired of his issues and act. Yeah, because I would love high to see ma- high maintenance by the end. Yeah, I would love to see Santana come back and and be I just a veteran for this team. For him. There's no spot, yeah, and and same for Brantley. Like this team doesn't need another left-handed hitting outfielder right now. He's not if an outfielder. They did, they're both DHs. 
Yeah. Well, Santana can play first. We know he can play first. Yeah, it's starting to slip. I mean, first base DH role. That that's I mean, that was what Brantley was coming up uh for a little bit, but yeah, it's Brantley can't really play the outfield anymore. Santana's first base DH. You need more flexibility with a bat. Yeah, no, though I don't think any of those guys are coming back. Uh, Crasco and Kluber, I think, are the two that have a slight chance. If Kluber yeah, thinks there's um, something they can clean up. Yeah, or just trying something. Um LC Deeges on, on, on our YouTube channel. I uh, said he was saw me having a conversation on Twitter a few weeks ago about uh, induced vertical break with Eno Saris. So Eno Saris at the Athletic wrote an article or had a, a comment about, I think it was an article, about how uh, during the World Series, how teams are um, sort of training for hitters to see rising fastball. So in, IVB is induced vertical break. That's what he was asking. And in the postseason, there were a couple pitchers out there that um, I think it was, I think it was Texas, Texas Mark with Marcus Semien and Corey Seager. And it was a couple of Arizona relievers. He was talking about that throw of fastball with a lot of induced vertical break. And basically that's like extracting gravity from the include from the, from the formula, whatever. I I can't figure what I was trying trying to say, but uh, what IVB does or measures is how much vertical break you're, your fastball is getting or any pitch, I guess you can use it for, but this is specifically fastball related. Um, the higher, the better, because it makes it seem like the fastball is going up when it's obviously going down because of gravity. But uh, the more, I, the more run, the more rise you have in your fastball, it, it goes over bats, but teams and hitters are starting to train their hitters to swing up at those fastballs. So uh, Garrett Cole and all those guys, you know, they might still be good at it, but, uh, you have to be really good at it, but guys who have like average numbers of rise on their fastball, if it's not great, teams are are teaching their hitters to swing up and um, anticipate that ball carrying that fastball carrying and hitting it uh, out, you know, in the air for, you know, for a fly ball. So that is being, you know, it might become devalued because teams are training for it. So teams might have to pivot or pitchers might have to pivot to another sort of training method on their fastball. So that kind of fastball may not be as valuable as it was because it may be more hittable because teams are catching up to it. And it's, it's all about the cat and mouse game. So when teams and hitters start to figure that out, they'll move to something else. It'll probably work. It'll be the craze for a couple of years. And then hitters will start to train for that. And then it'll just go round and round. So guys adjust. That's just how it works. Agreed. I mean, there's nothing for me to add. I said, we keep going. <laughs> all right. Uh, here's a one I knew we were going to get. So Kenny R. Uh, who, by the way, did tweet a, a Spotify rap that we were on a Spotify rap. So thanks, Kenny. Um, what do you guys think about a deal for Lane Thomas? Uh, he listed some numbers there for him last last year, and he's uh, ARB2, so he's got two years of control. Jeff's got uh, strong feelings okay. on Lane Thomas, and I, so, I do tend to agree with him. Lane Thomas isn't good. Um, let's just start there. So Lane Thomas, in the month of May and June, had a, a weighted runs created plus of 148 and 168. For those who don't know, that is um, – you know, a hundred is average. After that, he never crossed a hundred. He was below a hundred every other month outside of May or June. He was on fire for two months. His second half, he had an 86. So he was well below average. We're talking, um, you know, they, not quite like other members of Cleveland's outfield, but yeah, an 86 is not great. And he is going to cost a decent chunk of money. I want to say he's like seven or 8 million in ARB this year. Uh, they're going to want a lot for him because he was one of their few productive guys and he did hit for power. But he's just not very good. He had two good months. And I know in the question, oh, did, I, I, we don't have this one up currently. Did the question um, have the, the overall stats? 
Yeah, it's it's scrolling. Oh, it's in the bottom. Yeah, so it's like the yeah. 102 the year before that. It's like so he was average last year and he ended a 114 this year with OPS plus, but again, two good months of the year. That's that's not what you want to pay for. And he he's not good defensively, too. Yeah, he's got a good arm in the outfield. He runs well, but uh overall outs above average. He's, you know, slightly below average. He's fringe at best in the outfield. And a lot of the underlying statistics suggest too that what he was doing was not quite he had high bat tips. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't hit the ball that hard. His chase rate's very average. His whiff rate is average. He doesn't strike out. He, you know, he strikes out quite a bit, not a lot, but a little bit, and he doesn't walk a lot. So a lot of this, it's again, it's yeah, this is a... sort of like what would happen if if <clears throat> if, if, if Oscar Gonzalez played had 500 at bats. Um, this is like the high range of outcomes. Yeah, so you want to talk about not sustainable when people are like, Oh, you talk about bat pip a lot. Here's why in the first half, his bat pip was 380, which again, not sustainable. I think we said 340 is Luis Arez. Who's, you know, the, the 99th percentile. So in the second half is 253, also not sustainable. The other way with that 86, he's probably closer to a league average bat problem is you're going to have to pay a lot more than a league average right-handed bat. Cause, and again, he's a guy who's a below average defender. So he's probably like a 45, like overall value guy, maybe a 50, but you're going to have to pay Washington is to trade him is probably going to want the equivalent of a package around a guy who's like closer to a 60 value. So it's like, yeah, it probably balances out. He was unlucky in the first, in the second half, overly lucky in the first half. You split the difference between those two numbers. You get almost exactly average. So he's just average. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland would obviously like to have more average outfielders because they didn't have that a lot last year, but the return, what you're going to give up to get average is not going to be worth what you I mean, Stephen Kwan was exactly average last year. So that's that gives you an idea of what the baseline is. Yeah. I mean, Thomas obviously has a little more power than Quan and yeah, then different Cleveland obviously needs power. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just every, it's different ways to get to average offensively. But yeah, what Washington's going to ask to give up for what you're getting is just not going to be worth it. And, and his slug um, was significantly higher at home, 130 higher in the friendly confines there. So that's also. Yeah. Uh, I forget how how Washington got him. I forget what the trade was. I think it was very Louis. minor. He was Saint, he was one of those many St. Louis Cardinals outfielders. I, I wanted Cleveland to trade for him when he was with the with the Cardinals. Uh, right. Like, if you got him before he hit this 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 yeah, part of his career, I, I wanted to trade for him fine. when he was he was He's for John Lester. Year, by the way, yeah, I, yeah, it was, it was John Lester. Yeah, I wanted to get him that year back then. I, I was I talked. You can go back and find old episodes if you want to dig through where I talk about. Hey, he's undersized. We've had good production. The minors. This is a guy you should take a flyer on, because um, it'd be great. Right now, Time league average is fine. Yeah, you missed the window. Yeah, um, it, as much as Cleveland does need to acquire uh, or needs to find outfield help, I just don't think that's the right way to go with it. Uh, we got a lot of questions still to go, and not a lot of time. So let's uh, roll as fast as we can. All right, so we talked about Lane Thomas. Let's talk about the minor leagues a little bit. Here's a question from Dennis. Uh, what does the rotation in Columbus look like at this point? You have Cantillo, maybe Hunter Gaddis, the only guys in the 40 that in a minor league rotation spot. Uh, he mentions, you know, about where Espino might fit in, or Doug Nikhazy, Will Dion, and Ross Carver in the mix. So, yeah, you've got, obviously, Hunter Gaddis and Joey Cantillo who are going to front the rotation in AAA. They are the only guys there on the roster. I think it's pretty likely when Espino gets Adam Oler is probably. I mean, they gave him that contract in that spot. Well, he said who, who on, on guys on the forty. So those are the only guys. Oh, on the, on the forty. 40. I was It'll just, be in AAA. Well, yeah. we'll get to those guys later. But 
Um, so Espino, you know, we're talking maybe May or June, May at best, probably more like June or July. Yeah. And he'll he's going to go to Double A when he comes back. So yeah. I would not expect him to go to Triple A. And yeah, they're going to have some depth guys they're going to need to fill out Triple A rotation with. Nikhazy probably needs to go back to Double A. Um, he's going to turn into a reliever. Could go to Triple A, but he's a reliever right now, and who knows what will happen in the Rule 5 draft. And Feels like Dion is the Carver, one who performed well enough to, to kind of keep up. Yeah, so Carver and, and Dion both should go to Triple A. Yeah. So you, you would have Cantillo, Gaddis, um, one of maybe Berea or Aller, and then you'd have Dion and ross carver at at triple a and then you kind of go you build around that and see what happens i like i said i think espino has to go back and repeat double a once he does finally um get healthy same with Casey. I'm, I'm excited though to see what dion does in triple a yes. and I'm, I'm excited about ross carver i know people are gonna look at the numbers and be like really you're excited about this guy but i think he's just maybe a tweak or two away from being a really legitimate starting pitching option in the majors i do like the stuff so uh yeah i mean we've we've had people comp him the major league players um in terms of yeah. like liking him he, he's he's got he, yeah uh, you know if we get to another question I'll, I'll save the info for that one all right uh chuck our buddy chuck uh wants us to predict the starting outfield on opening day uh, as of right now it's it's probably straw loriano and Quan as of today and um, well, Brennan and then Ramon Laureano platoon, like as of right now, I don't know who they're going to acquire. Like if they go out and get an outfielder, I don't know that, that to me seems like the most likely opening day based on who's on the roster right now, outside of an acquisition. That's a boring answer, right? Uh, you know, I, I say, <laughs> I say, uh, uh, it'll be Oscar Gonzalez in center, Jonathan Rodriguez in right. And, uh, a lot of errors and a lot of fly balls that get in the gap and, it won't be caught. No, it's it's probably a straw, Quan, and then I I think Brennan, and then Loriano is the equivalent of like a fourth outfielder who plays every day as they look to maybe rest players and just kind of go through and do you know platoon lineups. Yeah. Jeff on Twitter, not you, Jeff, another nope. Jeff. Brokio, Arias, Freeman, pick one to try and center one at shortstop, and one you attach straw to try to move him. Uh, I don't think any of these guys help you move straw. Maybe I think Rokio. Rokio. I think yeah, that's the only one who's going to help you. That's but see, that's that's the wrong way to do it though, yeah. because you already have a deficiency in good hitters, and I don't know whether or not Rokio is going to be a good hitter. But if he could be, if he could be at least an average bat, I'm not trying to use the guy who like. I guess Arias out of that out of that group, Arias has the most upside, right? It, it's just it's a ceiling that we don't know he can he can hit. I don't think Freeman can Rokio. play center. Like that's a problem. No, it's like no, I, no. It's like Rokio was the only one who can package a straw. The only one who could play center is probably Arias, and Freeman is then. But I, I don't think he's a shortstop. So um, it's innately a flawed question because there is no correct right answer. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> just Jeff. Jeff asking bad. Telling Jeff he asked a bad question. Don't ask yeah. that question. I don't know. There, yeah, Ar- no I, would, I mean. Work. Arias in center field, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing it. I think the guy can play any position on the diamond. He's yeah. athletic and, and very talented. Uh, here's a question from Steve I thought was interesting that is uh, more of a uh, procedural question, but he wants to know what the Guardians pay for and what minor league team owners are responsible for when it comes to running a minor league team. So uh, Cleveland plays pays all player salaries. So everybody that's in the organization, whether mm-hmm. they're playing for 
Cleveland or Lake County or in Arizona or the Dominican, they're playing, they're paying the player salaries. So minor league owners don't touch that. What minor league owners are responsible for is essentially the operation of the ballpark. And in some cases, they're not even responsible for that. If the city owns the ballpark, um, they're trying to get money from the city to, to do upgrades. But the, the minor league owners pay, you know, their ticket reps, they pay the game day staff, they pay um, the announcers and, I think there's tra- the travel costs like buses and um, hotels. They pay for that. But uh, where the players live at home uh, when they're playing for an affiliate, like that's also paid for now by the team, which rightfully so they should be because it was an issue before. And, and that's why you see a lot of like semi-famous people buying like bunches of minor league teams. Cause it's, it's a pretty, like you're not going to get rich off of it, but it's been a pretty historically safe and good money investment. Let's end this with a Shane Bieber question since the since the winter meetings come yeah. up on Monday, and I'm sure more will come up. David Weber uh, said, a trade involving Bieber and Naylor to the Cubs for a package around Chris Morrell and others. I'm not sure who others are. And then he says, sign Reese Hoskins to a one-year deal, put Morrell in the outfield. Um, I don't think Hoskins is going to take a one-year deal. I think there's going to be enough stuff going on. I don't think he's going to settle for a one-year deal. Yeah, I think Cleveland, look, I, the thing with Trading Beaver is, can you afford to trade him without getting a pitcher back? Like, do you have to go out and do something else to get a pitcher back if you do that? Because I don't see how and, you trade Beaver and you don't acquire a pitcher somehow. And Morel is, you know, the Oscar Gonzalez profile. It's, it's, you know, the 8% walk rate is a little bit better, but the 30% K rate is, and yes, I, I know he he's had, out more than Oscar, actually. Yeah, and and but he gets into his power more. Um no, is no, the outfielder though. Like, where is his position? That's that's the hard question for me. Is where does Chris Morrell actually play? Because he hasn't played that much outfield. We don't even know if he can play outfield, and he's not really a good infielder either. So no. like, this is a guy who doesn't really have a defensive I mean, home to begin with. He might be a DH. Yeah, which Cleveland doesn't need, and Reese Hoskins might need to be a DH because he's coming off an ACL tear. You have no idea. I mean, I'd be interested in Hoskins if Cleveland needed needed to fill a spot at first base. Um, but you're talking about an upside deal and yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I and, and when you does. look at him, like Christopher Morrell this year. Okay. So sweet spot, eighth percentile chase rate 40. So he didn't chase a lot. That's the one thing that is different from him and Oscar. Um, strong arm runs well, but terrible outs above average as a defender, which that's he's, Oscar too. Run, yeah. You know, he's great arm, Basically, but a bad defender. What, what makes Morrell more likely to be successful is his chase rate is not, you know, his chase rate is, is almost average, you know, middle of the pack where Oscar, as we know, is terrible. That is how he's able. And, and his walk rate is middle of the pack and Oscar's isn't quite that high. So he's plus Oscar Gonzalez. And that's valuable. That's a potential starter. I just think that that's, that's valuing him way too high. Um, I, I wouldn't trade. <laughs> yeah. I would, I wouldn't trade Naylor for morale straight up. I would not. And, and you know, Naylor means a lot to this team, too. Yeah. So that's one thing. You're trading Bieber and you're trading uh, a guy who means a lot to this team. That that It's a kick to the morale, I think. No, and it. there's just not a lot. Both to, those guys at once. And there's not a lot to grab from that Cubs team. And that they're going to be willing really to give up. Are you really no. upgrading, too? I mean, that's a downgrade. when you Losing Naylor is, hard, is, is really hard to replace. I, I know you're saying sign Hoskins but you don't even know what you have in him coming back from surgery. And he's a guy who's been really inconsistent in his career too. I mean, yeah. it's like, <laughs> we've got a lot of questions we didn't get to today. So apologies for that. We have them saved for a future episode. Uh, next week's the winter meeting. So we will have a show each week, each day, obviously um, just talking about the rumors of the day. We're going to talk about Jackson Churio's contract with the Brewers. 
if that affects Kyle Manzardo and if Cleveland should consider a contract Kyle Manzardo. We'll have a Rule 5 draft review when that happens. We will, of course, have draft uh, a, a dra- oh, the draft lottery recap and a too soon, never too soon for a draft in Cleveland, right? We'll do nope. a preview there. We've got more positional reviews to do, and we have Let's Make a Deal with 29 other teams all coming up uh, this winter. And we've got an interview with a scout coming sometime, I think. Yes, that out of the bag, final, final confirmation, but yeah, Guardian Scout's going to be on the show. Uh, maybe a player as well. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Remember to rate and review, download. It helps and subscribe. Thank you for joining away. us today and being a everyday on Lockdown Guardians and go, go, Guardians, go.